Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and uh, we have a special guest with us uh, all the way from uh, the great state of Oregon. Uh, we've got Kathy Grace Duncan. And so, Kathy Grace, thanks for being with us. Yeah, absolutely. And and Kathy Grace, you're you're part of uh, a Port- the Portland Fellowship up up there, and and uh, you're you're over the women's ministry. Is that correct? That's correct. So, before we dive into some of your story and kind of uh, your own personal background. Can you tell us a little bit about Portland Fellowship and what, what kind of ministry that is in the Portland area? Sure. So we minister to um, those who want to leave the lifestyle, homosexuality, bisexuality, uh, even transgender. Um, they're welcome to come there. It's a two-year program. And uh, the first year kind of goes through the basics, you know, roots, causes, that type of thing, looking at rejection. And then the second year is building on that first year. and um, kind of taken them more into the relational. So it starts at seven, we have a bit of worship, and then we go into a discussion group. And what that is, is they they read their homework, and then we discuss it, um, you know, go over the questions, and then we break into small groups. And the small group times is more for accountability and how are you doing, that type of thing. Yeah. And how long has Portland Fellowship been around? Like forever. I it's think, been a while, yeah. Yeah, it's like 30 five years, something like that. Because if I remember, because I've, I've talked to several people along over the years that have been connected with Portland Fellowship, and it seems like it was just such a, uh, it's been such a pioneer, mm-hmm. really, in this space of ministry, dealing with sexual brokenness and things like that. So, uh, so grateful when there's long, long standing ministries that have seen, because uh, I think there's something about also being able to have a long history that you can you can sort of see the waves and the trends that happen, right? In terms of not only individual people's lives, but also just culturally and, yes. and how the, the conversation is engaged. And obviously, we're living in a time right now where these issues of homosexuality, transgenderism, they're at the forefront of so many conversations, right? And right. so I would love for our listeners to be able to get to know you a little bit. So can you give us a little bit of your own background and story of like, how, how did you come to this place in your life where you were doing the work you're doing with Portland Fellowship? Because you've got a story, right? I do, in fact. So um, before the age of four or five, um, I believed I should have been a boy. I felt like I was born into the wrong body. I felt like I should have been a boy. I played as though I was a boy. I would ride my tricycle over to pick my girlfriend up and we were gonna get married. And somehow in my little heart, I knew that that wasn't normal, so I I kept it a secret. Um, I grew up going through grade school and all that longing to be a boy. Um, And my home life wasn't the best either. It was somewhat or mostly dysfunctional. My dad was very verbally and emotionally abusive to my mom. And my mom, you know, act like the abused wife underneath that emotional and verbal abuse. And so in watching that, I realized that, you know, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a girl. So am I going to be like my mom? Mm. And um, the messages that I got from the abuse from my dad was women were hated, they were weak, and they were vulnerable. And my mom responded in that way. And so, and then when I was about, you know, seven, my little brother was born, he was celebrated. So then I realized, you know, in order to have that affirmation, I needed to be a boy. and girls can be replaced. 
And then as I continued to grow up between the ages of 10 and 12, I was molested by a family member and that reinforced I'm weak, I'm hated, I'm vulnerable. Um, so going through high school was difficult because I really longed to be that man that I thought I should have been. Um, and at the age of 19, I was so desperate, I moved out and I began to take hormone shots, change my name and live as a man. Now, when I took those shots, I thought I was free. I thought, hey, I've arrived. I'm finally this person I'm supposed to be. And I uh, found a job um, as, as a man and began that way. Um, with the family that I moved in with, they, she had two girls, and they continued to ask me to go to church with them. And so I went. And two weeks after you know, transitioning into living as a man, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And, um, I, you know, I, I was so fascinated with him, but you know, when I, when I first accepted him, I wasn't sure if it worked because I didn't feel different. Mm -hmm. So the next two altar calls I took them. So I took three altar calls and finally the pastor's like, you know, the first time you do this, it pretty much works. Um, but even after the third time, I still didn't feel different. And so I thought, you know, because I didn't hear from the Lord, he didn't say go back. He didn't, you know, condemn me. I didn't feel convicted. I thought he was okay. You know, and I was super young in my faith. And so how could I discern his will? Um, so I continued to live as a man. And a woman that I went to church with got me a job at where she worked. And uh, my dad found out that I worked there. And so he went and told my employer, that's really not a man working for you. That's my daughter. Um, and so the woman that I went to church with overheard that and went and told the pastors, um, what she had heard. And I was confronted by the pastors and the pastors asked me, you know, who are you? Who are you really? And so I told them, well, I'm a man who used to be a woman. Mm. And at that point they were like, well, we love you, but you just can't be here. Mm. So I left that church. Um, and I also got fired from my job because my dad went in there and then, um, I moved on and found a new job and eventually found a, a new girlfriend who was a Christian. So I started going to church with her. Uh, we dated for a number of years and then we broke up. And upon breaking up, I fell right into another relationship and um, very much a rebound relationship. And during that relationship, I fell into a deep pornography addiction. And eventually one morning I woke up and I realized, oh my gosh, she's my mom and I'm my dad. Everything I vowed, you know, because I said, I, you know, I will, I will never be the man my dad is. And, you know, I turned out just like him. <laughs> so I got out of that relationship and I began to pour into the church and got involved in the orchestra. And one night on my way to orchestra, the Lord called to me and he said, will you now? Will you now? And so I, I take this inventory of my heart and I'm like, wow, I don't have anything to lose. There's nothing holding me back. So I said, yes, Lord, I will. And um, it was about three months later, I realized when I said yes to the Lord, he had delivered me from a pornography addiction. Mm. And one that was so deep, I was so caught up in. He totally delivered me. Um, so then in the next four years, the Lord continued to woo me. I was still living as a man going to this church. They had no idea who I was. Um, and then uh, next thing you know, I'm involved in the junior high ministry, uh, have a group of boys, I'm leading a men's Bible study, I'm involved in the young adults, I'm involved in the college age, I'm just involved everywhere. 
and eventually um, the Lord brought spiritual parents to me and um, I didn't know it at the time, but the, my spiritual dad, Gary was already beginning to work on my dad issues because they were pretty deep. Mm. And um, once again, I'm not, I'm not sure how they knew, but I got confronted again and um, my spiritual dad come up to me and he's like, Hey, can, can I talk to you? And I'm like, Oh man, I know that. Can I talk to you that feeling? So I'm sure let's, let's do this. So he took me back behind the sanctuary. There's a prayer room back there. And when I got back there, Dave, a pastor who I'd become friends with and, you know, part of his ministry um, was in there. And I was like, okay, I am really going to be confronted. Oh, wow, yeah. And so I sat down and Dave says to me, hey, you know, we're, we're hearing these things about you. And I just, I just need to know, you know, who are you? Who are you really? Same question, but this time I said, I'm a woman living as a man, and that's the truth. I wasn't ever a man who used to be a woman. And so when I said, I'm a woman living as a man, the Holy Spirit blew into me. It was like this, just, just it was like, whoa, you know? And um, I saw when that happened, what I needed to do in the next two weeks. I needed to step down from online ministries, and more importantly than that, I had to start the journey out to becoming the woman that he had created me to be. So I asked Dave before I revealed anything that I had seen, I said to him, so Dave, what do you think I should do? Dave's like, well, how about you, um, or you, maybe you could, uh, you know, why don't you try, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, he was honest, right? Yes. He, he was honest. Yeah. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> but he was trying. He was definitely yeah. trying to think of something, you know, um, and I said, well, can I share with you what I feel like the Lord has shown me? And he's like, absolutely. So I shared everything with him. And he's like, you know what? I, I, um, I want to walk with you in this. So let's, um, you give me a call tomorrow. I'll set up the appointments to meet with the pastors that you need to step down with. And I'll be in those meetings. And he did just that. So he actually began the journey out with me. Mm. He, I like to think of it as um, he started my tool belt. Yeah, you know, and got me going. And eventually I realized I couldn't stay at that church. And I was living up in Vancouver at that time. So I moved back to Portland and um, I had found the Portland Fellowship and I started at the Portland Fellowship. And I was the, you know, this is like 1993. And I'm the, so I'm the only transgender person. I It feels like in all of Portland, you know, and Portland Fellowship's like, well, you know what? We've mostly helped those coming out of the gay lifestyle, but you know what? Yeah, come on, let's see what we can do, you know? And so I started going there and after about five and a half years, I was in a place physically where I could transition back into living full-time as a woman because the effects of the hormones, you know, they had to wear off. And um, I had stopped them about eight months after I said yes to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And um, then I crossed over or I crossed back into living as a woman and started going to a different church. And then, um, you know, that was 27 years ago, I came out of that lifestyle. I lived for 11 as a man. Uh, and then eventually, you know, I became the women's ministry leader and um, yeah, still with the yeah. ministry. Wow, well, th I mean, obviously there's so much there. Um, but first of all, let me just say thank you for sharing your story. Um, you know, I think there's, there's so many moments throughout your story where the amount of courage 
that it took you to do what you did really, and I, can I put it this way, the courage that it took you to make decisions all along the way, I think was incredible. I think sometimes we don't talk about um, the, the difficulty like when you were 19. And, and there's a moment of courage there, right? Yeah. It may, it may have been, you know, as you look back on it, it may have been misinformed courage, but it was still, you, you had to take a step, right? In order to make a, a transition that nobody in, around you was necessarily celebrating or right. expecting. Can you right. talk a little bit about, especially when you came to Christ and then in that first church, there was the experience of being sort of quote unquote found out and then having to deal with really rejection. What, what did that feel like on top of everything else that you had experienced from your childhood and these difficulty with these feelings and, and now feeling like you were going in a direction that you felt all along, but you should have been going in and then to have this, this rejection within the family that, that is meant to be representative of Christ. What did that feel like for you? Well, I can remember uh, the next day, um, it was at night and I was walking and I was like, man, I feel so alone here. Cause it was like, you say you love me. And then you say, don't come back here. I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get my head around that. You know, I couldn't process that. It's like, why do you tell somebody that? But then you tell them goodbye at the same time, you know? And um, it was rejection. It wasn't, we love you and you're going off to do something else. It's like, no, don't come back. Mm -hmm. And I just remember feeling really incredibly alone. And then, um, but something in the back of my mind told me that that wasn't the heart of God. That was the heart of man. And I don't know how I knew that. I mean, I was raised a Lutheran, so I had some basis of God, not necessarily Jesus, but of God. Um, and so I don't know if that helped me, but um, the only emotion I can really attach to is just feeling alone. Cause at that point I had really detached from a lot of my emotions. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned also that, you know, you live for 11 years mm -hmm. uh, expressing yourself fully as a man. Mm -hmm. uh, you were in dating relationships. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you've, you've got this burgeoning relationship with Jesus, right? That's, that's happening here. Um, and it sounds like also a lot of your, uh, if I could put it this way, a lot of your sexual temptation struggles aren't so different from any other guy out there when you're talking about pornography and those other things. Mm -hmm. So, so when you're telling, when you're talking to maybe others who have, who struggle with any kind of sexual brokenness, not necessarily transgenderism, but like pornography, because pornography was part of your story. Um, how, how might you help us to understand or how much you help somebody understand that? Okay, listen, just because you've also got this element of transgenderism doesn't mean that you have no concept of being able to know how to connect with somebody who's struggling with pornography. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause I think sometimes we, we, we can take a story like yours that we would see as uh, amazing, a, an incredible story. Maybe it's not the, the common story that we hear about people's life experience. And then we sort of put it into its own like unicorn category that says, well, how could we ever identify on mm -hmm. the same way? And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, aren't there lots of points of connection in our lives where we can be more similar than we are different 
And it's maybe more helpful if we can point out a lot of those similarities rather than just always pointing out the differences. Yes. Um, So one of the things that we teach at the Portland Fellowship is that homosexuality, transgender, bisexual, whatever that is, LGBTQ, that is not a sexual issue. It's a relational issue. We're all broken. We've all experienced rejection, abandonment, and abuse. You know, those are the three main things in people's life and how they manifest in their life is kind of where they go. So for me, you know, I viewed my dad and I saw my mom and that told me that being a woman is not safe. Now, my little brother and sister grew up in the same environment and and they don't struggle with their sexual identity, but they still struggle with the rejection part of it. And, you know, coming out of the lifestyle, the Lord um, began to heal the rejection. And as he healed the rejection, um, that brought out more feminine in me. It made me, you know, want to embrace, figure out how to embrace being a woman. And so if we look at, if we just peel off the whole sexual identity part of it, we'll see that you can relate to me because you have had abuse. You have had abandonment somewhere or rejection. We've all experienced rejection. Maybe not all have experienced abuse, but we've all experienced rejection. And it's what we do with that. You know, and everybody's different, different temperaments, different environments, Um, you know, there's things that were missed that I should have. And, you know, there's other people who, you know, didn't get nurtured and they went into sexual promiscuity. So it's looking at that root and the root is common to everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, and those who struggle with pornography, it's like, why do you struggle with pornography? It's not just looking at that fruit and helping them pick the fruit, but it's going back to the root of that. How did you get there? What makes you, what, what stress reliever is this for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and why, why do you do this? What, what, what satisfaction or payout do you get from doing this? And it's looking at, okay, so how do we turn that into getting that met through Jesus? And what does he, what does he have for us in that? Yeah. Now you talk about obviously this really pivotal moment with these, uh, this pastor and just this, uh, just powerful moment where you just felt God's spirit completely come across you in a way that maybe you'd never experienced before. And, mm-hmm. and that that was a real turning point for you. But you also say that, you know, there was a years long journey, like five, you talk about five and a half years, you know, of really feeling like before you could kind of fully transition back. Is that kind of what you were saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so can you describe what those years were like in terms of your, your growth in faith in some of these issues of the relational, you know, healing that needed to go on in your life? And then what it was like when you finally got to that point where it was time, you know, in terms of where you felt like it was time to now you're going to uh, live your life fully as a woman. Sure. So in those five and a half years, it was definitely a a ton of healing. And um, just in the physicalness, um, it was hard because I I had a full, I mean, I looked like a man. I had, I could grow a full beard. I had a receding hairline. I'd had a top surgery. And so that part, the physicalness of it um, didn't really change until the inside changed. So healing in my heart of understanding that it is, it, it is good to be a woman. And, you know, I was created in God's image and it was good. And he knit me together on purpose for a purpose, but it was also learning to embrace what God said about me was true. 
because I'd seen so much of the other that it's like, okay, I, I, my dad said all those bad things about women and you know, he's my dad. And yeah. so now you're saying that these are good. <laughs> these are good. And a, a huge portion of that is the Lord walked me through forgiveness of my dad. Mm. Um, that, that was excruciating. <laughs> um, but forgiving him and releasing him of all of that, um, was a major healing point because the Lord also brought me into a place of reconciliation with him, wow. which was an, another healing thing. Cause I hated the man, absolutely hated the man. And, um, now, you know, he's since passed and I miss him. <laughs> Who knew that would happen? Yeah. But, um, working through those points of rejection and looking to the Lord basically to meet those. And, you know, sometimes he met those himself and then other times he used people. And like I said, previously, I was so detached from my emotions. Um, it was reattaching those emotions and risking because there's places I had to risk to go, okay, they're inviting me over and they say they really want me to come. So I'm going to risk and I'm going to go rather than hang back and, you know, cause we do, we can do that self prophesying. I'm going to be rejected. So I'm going to be back here and they're going to, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. I got rejected, but it was because I set myself up to be rejected. So as I risked and stepped into those relationships and um, went out to coffee with people and talked and just hung out and, and got to a place where I'm comfortable with who I am. And it was interesting because, um, at the end of that five years when I was getting ready to transition, it was so interesting because when I transitioned to living as a man, I was so desperate to get out of living as a woman. And um, I came to that similar place of desperation. I'm like, I can't, ah, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's change my name. I'm I, cause I can't do this. I, I was living a double life. You know, at that point I was, I, at certain points I had to work. So I worked as a man and went home trying to figure out who I was as a woman. Wow. And yeah. So the desperation just came to the other side of it, but it was more of a conviction. I was running to something rather than running from it. Mm. And that's kind of what I was doing at the beginning was running from something. And now I'm running to the Lord and to who he said I really was. So I'd love for you to address, um, maybe several audiences here because we've got, we've got parents probably that are dealing with difficulty with children that are feeling very much like you did when you were a little, little child and trying to figure out how do they navigate this as, as parents. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we also have, um, we have the individuals themselves, whether they're teenagers or young adults or, or even older adults, whatever. But usually I think like you had mentioned, so much of this is born out of, uh, childhood elements that are struggling themselves with gender identity and struggling with these things. But then mm -hmm. I also think we have, we have well-meaning um, godly people who like your pastor, Dave go, I don't know. I, I don't know what to do. Um, what could you say maybe to each of these audiences to maybe help them? You know, I'm thinking about the parents how can you breathe a sense of hope into parents who are maybe feeling like they're going to have a panic attack? They're feeling like I, I just, uh, you know, they're, they're feeling that desperation. They're feeling that fear. They're feeling whatever those feelings are. Um, or maybe even some of those parents that are thinking, you know, the wisest thing for me to do is to as much as possible affirm and celebrate and help this thing to go along in the direction that my child wants it to go what would you say to those parents out there that are maybe trying to know how do I, how do I 
raise up my child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and understanding God's good design of being made in his image. Right. You know, that is such a tricky line. It's such a, it's so delicate and there's such a fine line that parents have to walk. And I, I, the thing that I would say is, you know, when you're, when your child comes to you and says, mom, dad, I'm transgender, I'm going to transition. These are my plans. And you know, it, it's going to feel like they just punched him upside the head because more than likely they haven't seen it coming. But to understand that kid, that person, that adult, even as an adult child has been struggling for a long time and either they just let him into their secret because they are looking for help um, or they're going to transition no matter what the parents say, no matter what they do or anything like that. So there's really kind of two groups of transgender folks, if you will. Mm -hmm. There's the one side that let their parents in because they want their parents to come alongside them, but not necessarily to keep them as who they are, but affirm them in the road that they're going. And I'm going to tell you, if you affirm them in the road that they're going, you're still going to lose them. You know, if you stand your ground and go, no, I I raised you to be a Christian. You were my son. You were my daughter. Um, That's hard too, because they're going to reject you. And I want to tell parents too that to understand your child is terribly deceived, terribly deceived. And the way you're going to break through that is pray, Mm. pray, 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 pray. Um, Prayer is powerful. I know there was people praying for me when I was in the lifestyle that, you know, I wrote to them and they're like, I prayed for you for every day for this last 10 years. Mm. And so I know prayer is, it's, it's necessary. Um, And then when your child can't understand why you can't affirm this, that's when you have to have that conversation and you say, well, I don't believe that way. I I love you, but I can't affirm how you're living and tell them too. you know what you you're wanting me to accept all this that you just laid on me. I need like a week to process this. You know, how do I feel exactly about this? Because, you know, you're a deer in the headlights, basically. Mm -hmm. You You just got hit by a Mack truck. And you're like, I don't know how to navigate this. And that's okay. How would you know? You know, you didn't even know they were struggling. But if they come to you and they're said, and they use the word, I'm struggling with this, then it's rather than telling them what you think they should do is say, okay, well, let's have a conversation with them. Why, why do you think this? Why, why would you want to change your gender? You know what? And understand too, they may not know. They mm-hmm. just know this is how I feel. And this is what I'm trying to escape. And they may not know the roots of that. You know, the Lord told me those when I was on my, my healing road. I didn't know before. And even then, it probably took a couple of years before I realized, oh, this is why. Yeah. It's having that conversation with them and trying to talk with them. But there's some, there's some kids, unfortunately, you just have to let them go. Well, you know, as you're saying that, it makes me think of uh, the, the way God himself expressed his empathy was he was Emmanuel, God with us. And that with is so important, right? Mm -hmm. That it wasn't, he didn't say like your first experience of uh, the church, I love you and get out of here. Right. That I love you and I'm going to come to be with you. And I Mm -hmm. feel like as you're saying that, it seems like that's, that's the message that parents want to convey. There's going to be a difficulty in that love there's going to be sacrifice and suffering, right? Even God with us was a terribly suffering 
experience for Jesus Christ. And yet he still chose to endure. He still chose to do that. And like you said, I think, I mean, there's nothing that we can do here that would be prescriptive, right? I mean, it it is delicate. Every situation is unique in that. Um, But I appreciate that you're giving that sense of of courage to parents of saying, yes, step into that space, tell the truth, speak the truth in love, and recognize that there still can be seasons where that kid goes their own way. And that's why I think you said prayer is so important. Uh, because, you know, you're talking about people that were praying for you for daily for 10 years. Um, how many times probably in those 10 years did they wonder, God, what are you doing? And, and is, <laughs> is this tether long enough right. to right. hold Kathy Grace? You know, so um, what would you say, though, to the individual out there that is they're either secretly struggling or they're really thinking about transition? I mean, what would you say to that person as having been a person who's lived that experience yourself? You know, what have you learned through your experience that you would want to then deliver? I mean, this is what you do at Portland Fellowship, right? You help come alongside yeah. folks. Yeah. And, and again, each, each person is different. You know, how they got there, how they have arrived at that place is different. And so it's figuring out how to unpack that. Now, the people I work with want to come out of that. Yeah. Um, those who don't want to come out, I just listen. Um, there's a... Uh, trans man, so a woman living as a man that I've worked with and just tried to speak truth. I didn't try to convince this person, no, you need to go back to being a woman, though I asked, so why aren't you going back to being a woman? You say hormones are bad for you and you've got all this evidence. Why aren't you going back to being a woman? And um, this person said to me, well, then I'd have to look at all my abuse. I'm like, yeah, you would. Yeah. And so um, in that, though, if you're struggling, if you have doubt whether or not you're taking the right road, whether or not you should do this surgery, whether or not you should continue on the hormones or even start the hormones, I'm going to tell you, wait, wait before you make that decision. Because even in the hormones, there's things that aren't reversible. Mm. Surgeries aren't reversible. And, you know, I hear more stories about people getting that surgery and then having that regret. And sometimes that regret runs so deep that they end their life. Yeah. And I would say to you, don't, you know, if you're in that place where you're not sure, talk to somebody and figure out it's the why you want to transition more than that you want to transition. You know, there's, there's deep issues. And if you've, if you've already been taking the hormones for a long time and you're, you're wondering if you should take that surgery, wait. And talk to somebody about that and talk to people who have been on both sides of that because there are men and women who, you know, they say I've mangled my body and now that I'm gone back to being a woman again, I will never bear children, you know, or the man, I will never bear children. And it doing this. Okay. Let me add this too. doing the surgery, taking the hormones does not produce relief. It doesn't. Those things that got you into that place of wanting to transition, believing that you're somebody else doesn't go away just because you're now living as that somebody else. They never went away for me. And all those that I've worked with, they've never gone away for them. In fact, sometimes it intensifies them because Mm -hmm. like I said, you know, I was running from something, but I wasn't running to anything. I was running to a, a hormone. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't dealing with that emotional thing going on behind all that pain. Um, it wasn't dealing with that. And I think that's why, you know, and 
going back to parents, parents are like, well, if I don't affirm them, they're going to, they're going to commit suicide. Well, if you affirm them, they could still commit suicide. That's not a guarantee. Yeah. You know? And so if, if you're in doubt, don't and talk to somebody. Yeah. Well, a lot of what I'm hearing you say, Kathy Grace is like anytime in any way that we seek to live outside of God's design, there are regrets along the way. So that applies to every human being on planet earth. Like if we try to go our own way, whatever it is, whether it's gender or whatever, we're going to find regret along the way. And like you said, doing those external things, doing those things that, that might cause other people to see us as we've been wanting to be seen doesn't change the heart, right? There's still that the heart issues there. Well, Kathy Grace, I mean, I could, I could talk to you all day about this because I think it's incredibly helpful and, and inspiring too, because it's just wonderful to see how the grace and power of God has manifest in your life and how he's even using you now to encourage and help others. Um, Where can we send some people to learn more about Portland Fellowship and just even folks who are looking for more resources along these lines? Sure. So if you're in Portland, we're here at Portland Fellowship. Um, We have a website, portlandfellowship.com. We also have programs online. So the Taking Back Ground program that we do here in Portland, uh, we also have that online. That's available online. We also have one that's geared towards um, the high school. You know, the so there's a law where we can't actually have those who are 18 or younger in our program. So we have an online program for that. And my confession is, is I can't quite remember the name of it right now. Um, but then we also online have two... Um, uh, two programs for parents. One is the hope group of those who are struggling with um, homosexuality and another one for the transgender. And, you know, we do a teaching and there's a little bit of a workbook worksheets in there to do that. Um, and then also if you have questions, um, you can call the office. Uh, you can go to the website, portlandfellowship.com. If you have questions for me, please email me. It's Kathy Grace at portlandfellowship.com. Um, and if you want to talk by phone, I am open to that. Um, but I'd like to have an email conversation first so we can set up a time, uh, rather than just some random phone call. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that way we're, I'm, I'm sure we're, we'll be able to connect, but again, Kathy Grace at portlandfellowship.com, um, port, and then portlandfellowship.com to look at our programs. There's also a tremendous amount of, uh, stories of, of people, their testimonies out there, of healing and restoration Mm. and even in marriage couples too. Well, this has been a a delight to hear your story and just to to be reminded that uh, God is a God of redemption um, and that he he doesn't make mistakes. Like we are made in his image. And so I I really appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate you. So thank you for being with us today, Kathy Grace. Absolutely. It was my honor. Thank you. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're always glad that you're with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.